Good evening, ladies, gentlemen, and other. <laughs> we are Secrets of the Sire, coming to you live from New York City. Every Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, TalkingAlternative.com. We are a live radio uh, show, and we also turn ourselves into a podcast that we produce weekly. We talk comics, movies, TV, music, and pop culture. Like I said, every Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern, TalkingAlternative.com. We got a phone number you can call in. It's a great phone number. Uh, we'd love to hear from you guys. 877-480-4120. That is 877-480-4120. We have a tremendous show tonight. Uh, we've got a, a terrific guest. Is actually a, a good friend of mine. I've known him for a long time. Vince Hernandez calling from Aspen Comics. Aspen was... The comic company founded by Michael Turner, um, the late, great uh, Michael Turner, actually. Um, and uh, they've been around for, you know, over 13 years now. And it's just, uh, it's tremendous, um, the kind of success they've had and been able to keep it going, um, you know, despite the fact that, you know, his untimely passing. But uh, we're not going to go down. We're going to talk about a little bit about the past, mostly about the present, and uh, definitely about the future as well. But... Before we do that, um, we've got a lot of, <laughs> we've got some big news. We just had some big news. I mean, um, we are officially on Patreon.com. Now, Patreon.com is a website. It's, um, it's, a, it's a crowdfunding website. It's for artists, uh, creators, and it's also for podcasters. And I happen to be all three, which is fantastic. There will be some separate... Um, Stuff that we're going to do for uh, the artwork side of it. I'm going to probably launch a separate page for my character, The Sire, which the show here is kind of based off of. Well, okay, it's just named after, I should say. Um, but yeah, we launched a podcasting page for, uh, sorry, live radio show and podcasting page for Secrets of the Sire. You can go to patreon.com slash secrets of the sire. We've got some really killer rewards um, again, it's kind of like Kickstarter, but it's on a monthly basis. You kind of support a show. So for less than, well, it's basically a quarter a show, because we basically sometimes do four shows. Sometimes we do five shows, depending on the month. Um, you can pledge a dollar a month, and you can get on our thank you page, which is coming soon to our website and our Facebook page. And then you'll have access to the entire archive of podcasts, um, and you'll get an exclusive recap uh, that you can't get anywhere else. And that's for a dollar a month. So basically, you get some exclusivity that other people can't get. And best of all, you will be um, part of the Secrets of the Sire Fan of the Week selection. Um, I'm going to randomly pick some names, depending on how many uh, thank yous we need to do. I mean, if it's a small amount to start, we'll get you all in. And as soon as we kind of grow, kind of randomly pick a uh, Fan of the Week. And so for a dollar a month, you get a shout-out on the radio station. You get a shout-out on the Facebook feed. Uh, we're getting about 15,000 streams a month, so uh, you'll get people uh, getting to know you. And getting to love you. Um, and we'll think of some other stuff. We also post a lot of stuff for patrons only. Um, you know, that goes beyond just uh, the normal reward. So be a part of that. $2 or more, you become a program director. You get a digital copy of the show outline a half hour prior to when we go on air. So you follow along. You can actually, uh, this is part of the 
show outline. I, I, I kind of meticulously research and meticulously script out every show, and there's lots of ad-libbing. There's lots of fun that we kind of have here in the studio, but I do follow a course because I'm you know, a quasi-professional, and I'd like to think that I know something um, about how to put on a good show. Um, and look, it's preparation, but you kind of get access to it. You get to be the program director. You get the uh, random thank you. Again, um, I'll pick out some program directors for the week as well, too, and say thank you to this person and thank you to that person, so you get another shout-out, but you'll be known as program director, so we'll kind of announce you in the credits. So really cool stuff. $5 or more, you can become an executive producer. Um, there's actually a live stream going on behind the scenes um, that's not plugged into the show. So you still have to listen to the show. It's on TalkingAlternative.com or it's on the Facebook page, Facebook.com slash Secrets of the Sire. But you get actually a Google Hangout, an exclusive link, uh, and an exclusive private feed on YouTube um, where you can actually you know, talk to me directly. I mean, you can talk to me directly on Facebook.com uh, as well. But this one's a little even more exclusive. It airs a half an hour before the show. kind of comes on during setup, and uh, we're going to answer your questions during the commercial break. So kind of cool stuff you get as an executive producer. Um, and then again, you get all the rest of the stuff, and it's really great. Just a buck twenty-five an episode. Pledge ten dollars or more, become a marketing director. Um, and this one's this one's really my favorite one. Uh, it's also the you know more expensive one, but it's totally worth it. It's two fifty a show. You really can't beat it. Um, I do a lot of interviews, so um, I interview a lot of people for AM New York, and that's where we get some of the audio from that we use on the show. Uh, so these are like predetermined interviews. Chris Cornell, I got to interview in Central Park one uh, one crisp October day, and we ended up using it as the lead into our show to help you know build the publicity up. Kevin Bacon, we got to interview. We got to interview. I just recently interviewed um, Coy Bowles from uh, Zach Brown Band. Um, you know, again, not necessarily going to play it on Secrets of the Sire, but you can have access to these interviews. Um, you know, AM New York barely. We, I mean, we barely. I, I, I get to do 300 words or less for my Q and A. So there's so much material that. I've done interviews with Brandon Boyd and Ed Kowalczyk and um, Katie Lang recently, John Popper. I, I mean, you name it. I actually have a vault of just interviews that I'll be, you know, posting once uh, once a week on the uh, on the Patreon.com page. And if you're a marketing director, you have access to download any of these. But the best part is. You'll also get to keep up to date on my latest projects, sketches, and more. So I'm always creating. I actually just sent in a pitch today, so I'll actually post that. Uh, you know, at some point, if it gets, um, you know, if I get the permission to post it, things like that, sketches, prints, and stuff like that that I do as an artist, as a writer. So you kind of get kind of inside access to kind of some of the stuff I'm doing. Um, but best of all, I'll let you know before an interview takes place with a guest, preferably someone famous, and allow you to submit your own questions for me to ask. Um, you know, no guarantees I'll ask them. But if it's worth it, if it's a good question, I'll definitely do that, especially any show guests that we're going to have on. You know, so that's only $10 a month. So we also have a $20 sponsor section, but, um, you know, no need to really go into that one. Uh, actually, that's, I will go into that one. That's actually pretty cool, too. Uh, we'll read your 15-second whatever on air. We call you a sponsor, but it's a sponsor in the sense that we named everything after something in radio terms. Um, you know, if you've got something to say, we'll say it. If you're running a Kickstarter, we'll plug it. Think the topic of the day sucks? We'll voice it. Nothing vulgar, though. Um, plus, you'll get the private video stream, the outline, the archive, and a spiffy post on our Facebook page exclusively about you. Um, and we'll even boost that post for you and get you get you some added exposure. Um, that's on us. So that's only 20 bucks a month. These are all great rewards. It's a great show. I love Patreon. I love the concept of Patreon. Uh, we love the show that we're doing. Uh, and honestly, the only goal we have right now is just to cover the cost of doing the show. So... Um, 
Go on to patreon.com slash secrets of the sire. Okay, enough about that. I've definitely uh, taken up uh, enough time. I will never mention the Patreon page again until next week. Um, and uh, yeah, you can, you can enjoy it. So we had a, a busy... Actually, I guess we could say we didn't have a busy weekend. We had what's known now. We're in the August doldrums when it comes to comic book movies. Uh, when it comes to the comic book scene, I mean, we're essentially, you know, their Sausage Party just came out. Looks kind of cool. It's a cool little uh, R-rated cartoon, Seth Rogen and, and that crew. Um, but we had Suicide Squad, second weekend box office numbers, and... Kind of just like Batman v Superman, it kind of did the drop. Um, you know, it's it's uh, it went a good sixty seven percent down. Batman v Superman did sixty nine percent down um, in its in its second weekend. Very look, they're on similar tracks, right? I mean, it had some negative reviews. Uh, it had Rotten Tomato scores that were poor. Um, it had people, you know, people were either they loved it or they didn't love it. Um, you know, we'll read some comments later on in the show, uh, but. I actually want to look at this not from a from a from a standpoint of oh no it's it's following it no I'm I'm going to give you the five reasons for hope okay there are actually five legit reasons why if you're a Suicide Squad fan or if you're a DC Comics fan even that there's some hope with this movie okay first of all it wasn't Batman v Superman all right that's a big point right at the end of the day the response to Batman v Superman was they got it all wrong oh, they got it all wrong. The response to Suicide Squad was, I expected a little more fun or a little more story or I didn't expect Harley Quinn to do this or I, or I expected more Joker. You know, there was complaints, but you would get in any movie. Batman v Superman, you got like iconic complaints. You got, archi- you know, high architect complaints in the sense of these are not the characters I grew up with. Higher expectations, higher letdown. Here it's, look, with the exception of Joker, with the exception of Harley Quinn, we, you, know, you didn't really have these iconic characters, so you could kind of do stuff with it. You know, you could have um, Diablo, and you could have Killer Croc, and you could have all these guys, and it's great. You know, that's exactly the kind of stuff. All right, number two, it proved a DC movie could be fun. Okay, again, whether it was the marketing, whether it was what you actually saw on screen versus what you saw in the marketing, DC now is is starting to kind of have a little more fun with their films, right? So it's having a positive effect. Did you catch that Justice League trailer uh, where Ben Affleck is actually smiling and not brooding and not lifting weights furiously because that's all he kind of did in Batman v Superman? You know, that's a result of Suicide Squad. It's a huge, huge, uh, it, you know, plus that, that kind of happened thanks to Suicide Squad. So, hey, DC movies can be fun, and Suicide Squad's the thing that paved the way for it. So, all right. It introduced someone other than Zack Snyder into the mix. That's number three. That's a huge thing, too. Look, to date, before, you know, you had Christopher Nolan, three movies, but it was his own universe. He didn't, he didn't, he wasn't tasked with, like, starting this entire multiverse. He wasn't tasked with, he was just tasked about making three really good Batman movies, and he pulled it off every time. You know, you could argue which one's the best one. Personally, think the second one is. But since 2013, you had Zack Snyder, actually, even, even further back, if you count Watchmen, Zack Snyder's been the only voice for DC movies. And look, he's got a certain style. He's got a certain tone. And maybe or maybe not, mostly, you know, most people would say probably maybe not, he's been tasked with building what Marvel created in nine years, uh, essentially in three movies. He's essentially been tasked with, eh, not even three movies, two movies, and now you have Justice League. 
So it allowed somebody else to kind of have a, a vision, a little bit of a playground. David Ayer, Ayer um, he kind of loathed the fact that he wasn't able to just kind of keep, you know, create his own little pocket universe. And we're going to actually talk about the Jared Leto, um, I was tricked into doing Suicide Squad quote that um, he's now recently gone on record as saying. Uh, but, you know, look, it's different voice. David Ayer did Training Day. Training Day was fantastic. Whether or not you think Suicide Squad is great, whether or not it had Warner Brothers fingertips all over it, which it did, um, you know, thanks again, Zack Snyder, uh, you got a different voice. All right. Finally, you got Margot Robbie. She's a legit superstar. Like, she's just awesome. She's awesome in the movie. And any critic always writes, hey, that movie was terrible, but Margot Robbie's really great. Or that movie was fun, and Margot Robbie was really great. So no matter what, you kind of had thumbs up for Margot Robbie. She's a legit superstar, and she's going to have her own movie now. So you kind of have this... Look, if she came into Suicide Squad and it was kind of terrible and she played it all wrong, the news that she was now starring in a Birds of Prey movie that's going to come out in a few years where it just focuses on her and a couple of other you know, female DC people would leave you a little worried, right? But now you're kind of sitting there going like, no, I want to see that now. She was the best part of this movie. I can't wait to see it. It's the same thing. We can't wait to see Ben Affleck in his own solo Batman movie. Why? He was the best thing, aside from Wonder Woman, about Batman v Superman. So that's number four. Number five, it reintroduced Joker to the DC movie universe. You know, part of me wonders what Heath Ledger would have brought to the role if he did indeed reprise it for this movie. Um... And yes, Jared Leto was not in it enough. We get it. I totally get it. But you know what? That 15 minutes of screen time was enough to sit there and say, I'd love to see him squaring off against Ben Affleck in his solo movie. And I'm really hoping that's what they do. And Jared Leto, I think, is, is kind of complaining that he hasn't been in the movie enough. Uh, completely valid criticism and completely valid. But you know what? We got to see him. He's crazy. He's psychotic. Uh, and and it's and it's awesome. We get to see it back. So look, these are five reasons why I know the box office is not as great uh, as people would hope. It's not going to do what Guardians of the Galaxy did. It's not going to do what Deadpool did. It's going to do pretty well though. I mean, it's already up 466 worldwide. So I think it's you know look, it's going to make its money back. It's going to make its marketing budget back. Um, it, it, it's a win. At the end of the day, it's a win for DC. We're talking hope on the show. All right, when we come back, we have Vince Hernandez from Aspen Comics joining us next. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Hello, I'm JC. I'm Joan. And, and welcome, welcome to, to 21st, 21st Century Entrepreneur. Entrepreneur. We bring education, insight, knowledge, awareness, trouble, craziness, and fun. For you, the entrepreneur who's looking to build your business. And your community. Listen every Friday from noon to 1 Eastern on talkradio.nyc. And you can tweet us at 21st CE Radio or Talk Alternative. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day.
Welcome back, Secrets of the Sire. We do this every week, every Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern. We talk comics, movies, TV. Uh, now, if you if you become a patron, uh, go to patreon.com slash secrets of the sire, and you become a, uh, an executive producer for just five bucks a month, which is awesome. Uh, you could actually be a part of the Google uh, Hangout that's going on right now, and uh, you can talk. Me and, uh, me and Sam were actually chatting about the Star Trek movie, which we're going to talk about a little bit later in the show, too. Um, just a quick little... Uh, you know, nod to what we've kind of talked about before uh, in the past. So, but first, I want to welcome Vince Hernandez. Vince, how you doing? Hey, what's going on, Mike? How's it going, buddy? It's going great, man. It's going really great. Uh, glad to have you on the show. Um, we've kind of known each other back when I was uh, doing, wi- you know, Wizard Magazine. So it's been a long time. Uh, been been friends with uh, with all you guys over at Aspen for a long time. So it's really great to re- great to have you on the show. Hey, I really appreciate you guys having me on. And like you said, I mean, it's it's been a long time. I was thinking that the other day. I'm like, you know what? I don't feel like I've known Mike forever, but yeah, that's been a what, like <laughs> over a decade, right? At least, at least. I mean, uh, Wizard Days were 2002, so yeah, 2002 to 2006. So yeah, absolutely, man. It's been it's been uh, it's been a long time. And I'll give you a shout out too because you were one of the first kind of uh, you know guys I ever remember seeing out there on the circuit. You know, selling those indie comics when uh, it wasn't in fashion. So. Uh, that's always the plus in my book, so uh, kudos to you, man. Awesome, man. Awesome. Hey, so your Facebook posts are like must-read. I don't know if anybody out there is not following you, but they should be following you. Um, they're must-read if you want to get into the comic book industry. Uh, thanks. I appreciate that, man. Honestly, with, for, with Facebook, I just try to you know, try to be honest, try to uh, offer tips and insight that uh, a lot of editors in comics don't usually do. I know, uh, I know a few of them are on social media, but I always get the sense that they're, they're really standoffish with... Um, you know, just offering their own advice and wisdom. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to be like that. I want yeah. to uh, really, you know, allow my social media to be a platform for aspiring creators to really kind of, you know, not just get insight, but also, uh, you know, reach out to an editor and, and get an actual response. Mm-hmm. I think that's really uh, something that is lacking in comics, that direct connection between, um, you know, actual publishers and mm-hmm. aspiring creators. So um, I'm glad you said that. I appreciate that. Um, you know, I, I hear that from time to time, and it always makes me uh, slightly surprised that people kind of like my Facebook, but um, I appreciate that. Thank you. No, it's great. Like, I mean, how did you just start, like, just one day you're like, you know, I'm just going to do it, or was it just kind of organically just started happening? You just started kind of, like, posting stuff, and you realized, like, hey, you know, I, I, I kind of have a thing going here. You know, it's funny. I... Uh, the, you know, my friends used to give me a hard time about it because they say, "Oh, you know, Vince, you're you're way too positive on Facebook all the time. You're, you know, you're such a pony." Um, you know, and I I get that a lot. Ironically, as much people say like, "Oh, you know, your Facebook's great," I get a lot of passive aggressive like, "You know, you're fake and this is, you know, you're being too optimistic." But honestly, it kind of started from me venting one time. I was just, uh, you know, I run into a lot of creators on a regular basis via email or telephone and. Um, you know, it just started out me kind of being honest and saying, look, you know, here's what a certain creator did, and this is, you know, completely not the right way to go about this. And mm-hmm. uh, I think it originally started as kind of a, a vent for me to just get that out to the world. And then uh, from there, I just kind of learned that, like, people were really responding to these posts, especially the ones that kind of offered, um, you know, just suggestions and help. And uh, I felt like, you know what, if, if I'm going to use social media, I might as well do it in a beneficial way and pay it forward. So, uh that's kind of how I came about that particular route of uh, just trying to inspire people through the post. Well, first of all, there's no place for positivity on social media, so you got to stop doing that right now. Forget, <laughs> forget that. Right. Uh, <laughs> second, my personal favorite was one you recently uh, were talking about with the aspiring novel writer um, that you came into contact with at San Diego. 
Why don't you uh, give our audience uh, a little recap on, on that particular post? Yeah, to give you a little context, I, um, you know, we exhibit at Aspen Comics at, at Comic-Con every year. Um, we're, we're pretty much dead center in the middle of the show floor, so we get a lot of aspiring creators come up to us, um, whether it's for comic books or novelists or people just trying to, you know, break into entertainment any way they can get in. Um, and this particular person uh, just laid this thick book on me. I, you know, I don't even remember what I was doing at the time. I think I was talking to another person, and uh, all of a sudden I see this giant 500-page novel just slammed down in front of me. Um, and this person, you know, was just very, uh, I don't want to say rude, but very uh, forward with, um, you know, expectations. And mm-hmm. um, so, you know, me being me, I, you know, I never want to turn down a creator, even if it's someone I feel like, hey, you know what, they're not doing this the right way, but at least let me give it a look, because you never know. You never sure. want to miss out on the next great creator. So, um I took the book back, and um, no, no later than 48 hours after Comic-Con did I receive an email saying, hey, did you read the book? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. The first time I laughed, I was like, this is, this is funny. I mean, I've never seen a response that quick to mm. a giant novel, but it didn't quit. Um, I think a couple of days later, I got another email, and then a week later, it was another one. Uh, so finally, I hit, I hit the, I uh, said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit reply on this one, and Kind of, I gave him the rundown, but I also, you know, went over to my social media and I said, "Look, here's kind of a little bit of the context. I don't want to put anybody on blast, so I don't um, reveal names sure. or the fix." And uh, I try to, you know, at least check this person isn't on my social media. I don't want them to feel offended. Um, but I did, you know, I use it as an example, and I it was one of those posts that, like you mentioned, just really resonated with fans. And um, you know, it's just one of those things you shouldn't do. I kind of feel like that's common sense, though. I mean. If you're going to lay a 500-plus-page novel on a publisher, <laughs> editor, anybody, don't expect them to read that in 48 hours. Probably don't even expect them to read it in 48 weeks. So, yeah, no, really. Um, you but, know, so I, I try to use these little examples as, like, uh, springboards to kind of give people insight into the comic world. Because, you know what, a lot of people just don't know this stuff. They, uh, you know, they know how to draw or they know how to write, but they just they don't know the ins and outs of the business like you would or I would. So, um you know, it's just mostly trying to be informative. But a lot of it's, too, just me trying to, you know, throw that out there and tell people what I go through on a regular basis because it's fun. You know, I like to uh, share that stuff with fans, and I know I've gotten a lot of uh, feedback about it that people like to kind of see the behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, you know, so that's kind of why I do it. And uh, I'm glad you, you saw it and uh, a, few people other, uh, a few other people got back to me about it. So uh, it seemed to be one that resonated. <laughs> no, absolutely. And on the flip side of that, there was one recently where you said, you know what, this one guy actually did it right. It was an artist who had been kind of showing his stuff to you repeatedly, but doing it in the in the best way. Can you kind of elaborate on what is the best way? Because you did end up recently hiring him, according to your post. Yeah, yeah. And I, I believe in the uh, post I mentioned as an artist, but I wasn't too specific. It was actually a letterer at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he just kind of made himself available. What he did that I thought was really beneficial was he visited all the L.A. conventions that we attended, and instead of saying, you know, here's me, I want work, he was more of the approach of, here's what I have working, here's what I've been working on, Mm -hmm. Um, I'd love an opportunity if you ever have one. Uh, At the time, he wasn't quite up to snuff, so uh, I kind of gave him some pointers and said, look, you know, this isn't of the quality that we're looking for just yet, but keep at it and see what happens. And he literally did that. I mean, every show for about two and a half years, he was, um, you know, he just would come by and be real, you know, pleasant and he wouldn't stay too long, just a few minutes there, say, hey, you know, I'm still around, here's my new stuff. Um, you know, he did what I always suggest to people to do is he made photocopies of his work, uh, you know, it was 
very concise, very informative with all his contact info, and um, that's what you want to do. You want to make it as easy as possible to submit to a comic book editor because at the end of the day, um, it's not our full-time job just looking for talent. We're, we're mostly editing the book. Right. But, you know, so when we go to these conventions, we've, you know, we only have a, a set amount of time to really look at talent. Um, so he really made it easy. You know, he kind of just put it all out there for me. And as it turned out, one of our letterers uh, moved over to D.C., and we had the opening. So I thought of him, and thankfully it worked out, and I was glad I could share that on my Facebook, just let people know, hey, look, there is a silver lining out there for a lot of creators yep. uh, that are looking to kind of break in, you know, but you have to really put yourself in a position to succeed. Um, and I'm sure, you know, you more than anybody knows this with uh, your own creator own stuff. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, people will not seek you out. You have yep. to go out there and spread the word of your, of your own, you know, volition and what you're doing. Absolutely. Um, so that's kind of what I thought he did well, and you know, I was happy to share that. And I, I love sharing those type of stories on social media because I really, like I said, you know, I want to inspire people, but I also want people to feel like, hey, there's opportunities out there, but you really got to put yourself in a position to succeed. Perfect. All right, so Aspen Comics, uh, the Aspen Universe is obviously, it was created by the late, great Michael Turner. Um, it's been, I mean, it's, it's hard to believe it's almost eight years now since he's passed away, which was right. a, a dark day. There's no question. I remember um, I was actually at Wizard World Chicago, which was one of his favorite shows when I heard the news, and it was, you know, it was terrible. But you guys, you know, not to dwell on the past, you guys are, are, have, you know, have lasted and made it. And, uh, you know, I actually, you and I even had a kind of conversation about this at, at San Diego, you know, how... You know, people are kind of rediscovering Aspen now and, and, and kind of, you know, you kind of made it through. Uh, talk to us about, I guess, immediately after and, you know, how, you know, where you guys are right now as a company. Yeah, I mean, you know, it has been eight years now and it's, uh, you know, while it was a really dark time for Aspen in general, um, you know, I kind of feel like it made us stronger in a lot of, uh, you know, different respects. Um, right, right after Michael passed, we, you know, I wouldn't say we spiraled, but we definitely lacked a focus in terms of what we were kind of looking to achieve as a publisher. And that's not because we didn't really try harder to know what we wanted to do. It was mm -hmm. really just because, um, you know, we lost our captain. He was our yeah. founder, and he really set the vision for what this company was supposed to be. And, um, you know, there was a few years where we were really, um, you know, we were grieving. We were just, you know... We had spent so many years relying on his talents in such a strong way that mm -hmm. we really did have to reshape ourselves and figure out a, a, a kind of new way to move forward. Um, you know, and we had a lot of hurdles. We definitely, I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, everything was, uh, you know, peaches and cream because at the end of the day, it wasn't. I mean, we had yeah. a few, you know, series that, you know, there's a lot of, you know, I would say decisions that we could probably go back on and things that we thought would be, you know, um, a good step forward. It ended up not working out like we planned. So, um, you know, they're all learning experiences for us, but I feel like they all kind of help shape us, you know, as a company and really as a team. I mean, we are still the same group of people that were here when Michael was here. And, you know, mm -hmm. um, that's kind of a tribute to what he created and what the, the company has created in terms of um, just a family-oriented kind of uh, well you know, state of mind that's i mean that's actually a really good point too because i mean it, it wasn't just like your ceo or your boss i mean he was like your friend i mean yeah. that's a that, yeah, I mean, and that's a completely right i mean that's a completely different dynamic that's not like oh no you know steve jobs just passed away and he was some guy i never knew and he would ever and i was i was a drone it was like no this is my best friend that just passed away i mean that had to that had to kind of you know rock for you know just oh, rock yeah. your world absolutely I mean, right you know we we all grieved in our own different way and, and you know we still to this day haven't gotten over um you know his his void so for us uh i don't 
think it ever will be something that we ultimately move past. I think, um, you know, as a company, our strength is in honoring his vision and really what he what he did in his career. And, uh, you know, you're right. Uh, we really had to come to grips as, as just people in general mm-hmm. and how to kind of get back into this. It was tough. I mean, we worked on comics with Mike, and then when he passed away, we had to basically jump back into comics again. And, yeah. um, you know, without your friend there... It's, it's tough. It's I, a different I mean, situation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, all right. Let's get positive. Um, let's cool. talk about. Let's talk about his creations. We have Fathom and Soulfire. Where, where are they at now, and where are they going? Oh, it's a perfect time, and it's actually a great time to uh, to talk Aspen in, in terms of our new generation of books because of the fact that this past month at Comic Con, um, we released our our kind of groundbreaking new series, Aspen Universe Revelations, mm-hmm. and this kind of. Uh, basically unites Fathom and Soulfire Michael's two flagship properties into one cohesive universe. And out of this, we're planning much more than just these two books um, uniting. We have plans for other books. People who are at our panel at Comic-Con will know that there were some teasers that we revealed that will kind of show what we have planned beyond that. Um, but it's a fun time at Aspen right now. We basically have taken Michael's two pioneer uh, or flagship titles fathom which came out in 98 was um mm-hmm. you know for anybody that follows comics you probably heard of fathom more than any other title he did um that was his baby that was the the one creation that i i think strongly ties to everything that michael was about um and then when he started uh aspen he came out with Soulfire, which has always been kind of our other tentpole book um those two books have been going on for 13 years now and um I don't want to, you know, pat ourselves on the back, but I, you know, I'm very proud of the you fact should. that we. <laughs> <laughs> you should. Why would you not? <laughs> you know, we're not those guys. We just we we uh, we tend to not want to uh, take too much credit because at the end of the day, sometimes we're ducking criticism too. <laughs> sure. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, it, those two books have been going on since we've started, and you know, the stories have gotten so deep and so uh, involved that we felt like, you know what, now's a great point to really. Um, not start over, but kind of introduce these characters to a new generation. Because at the end of the day, we're not a new publisher anymore, mm-hmm. um, and we're not Marvel and DC or Image with 20 plus years of pedigree. We're right there in the middle. Mm-hmm. So for us, um, there's a brand new generation of fans that aren't that familiar with us. They've, um, you know, they're younger kids, and yeah. they uh, they might not know about the 90s or the 2000s in comics, and they're just trying to find something that you know they can relate to and. Uh, that's where this Revelations book really comes in. We're trying to just basically give them a jumping on point for new readers. And anybody listening to the show, I mean, the book is in stores now. You can really dive right into everything Aspen with this one title. And um, we're excited because at the end of the day, we're comic book fans as well. So for us to see uh, this brand new universe kind of take shape and then to be able to kind of tinker with it and give uh, our own little, you know, ideas and, and pushes in the right direction, I think, you know, it's all fun. I mean, at the end of the day, when you're a comic book creator or fan or, you know, devotee, I think you ultimately always want to create a universe. I think that's always something that um, growing up, you know, when you're a comic book reader, everybody sure. kind of created their own characters. And, yeah. Uh, so to be able to do that for a career is really, really rewarding and really fun. And um, like I said, if there's people out there right now that are curious about Aspen or they want to really find out what we're all about now is literally the perfect time to jump on and and pick up aspen revelations universe or aspen universe revelations number one and really um just start over with us as we start over so uh well, give, know, I, this is a good opportunity this is a, you know you might be reaching an audience that that might not be familiar what's the elevator pitch for Soulfire and fathom and then what's the without giving too much away you know how you kind of brought it together in this book yeah no problem fathom is uh 
like I said, it was Michael's early creation, and that stars Aspen Matthews, a woman who was both from above the surface and below the uh, ocean line. She's, um, I don't want to say Aquaman, but it's very <laughs> similar in that vein of, uh, you know, she's an underwater character with these powers that she comes to discover through the story. Um, and that, you know, that story has evolved so much since that original plot back mm-hmm. in 98 at Top Cow into this really involved, um, you know, it's uh, humanity versus the blue, which are the underwater race kind of uh, battle going on. And um, it's world-shaping, this story is. I tell people because they look at the cover and they see a, a, a character in a bikini and they instantly think, this is a, oh, this is a pin-up cheesecake book. And I'm like, sure. no, it's not. Give it a read. You will be amazed at the the level of depth and the storytelling and what you know what kind of themes we're working with. There's, uh, you know, there's war, there's conspiracy, there's genocide. I mean, there's a lot of really deep and I think uh, riveting kind of themes that we work in with Fathom. So that's always been kind of our most involved deep, uh, you know, mini series slash continuing series that mm-hmm. we put on. Uh, Soulfire is a completely different vein. That's a fantasy action adventure set in the future in the 2200s. And uh, it revolves around a young boy, this orphan, who comes to find out that he is actually the conduit for a new era of magic that's coming back into uh, existence. Um, in this story, magic has always taken kind of a ebb and flow type shape. Um, and then when we start our story, there is no magic in the universe, just this one boy who's basically sparking this brand new uh, kind of outpouring of magic. And the story really takes off from there. There's, you know, dragons and winged characters. And, uh, you know, we go back into the story back in time. We span into the future. Now, you're probably asking yourself how do these two properties connect. That's really where the fun goes uh, into the story because we brought on uh, writers J.T. Kroll, who's, you know. Oh, we know J.T., yep. Yeah, he's a great guy. He's really, uh, he's been with us since the start of Aspen. Mm-hmm. And he's helped shape a lot of these properties, and he's worked, obviously, on some really big DC books. Um, so we felt he was obviously a no-brainer to you know work on this book, and then we brought on a new writer, Joshua Hale Falkov, who mm-hmm. people might know yep. his work from um, you know Tumor was a great book he did. He did I Vampire for the New Fifty Two. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a great writer. We were really excited to bring him on, and these two really took the two properties and turned it into one story that really you know encapsulates uh, time travel. Um, these characters that basically have never interacted, and they're kind of meeting for the first time without giving away too much of the story it's it's a a time travel story that really kind of focuses on this uh apocalyptic world that is set in the future and these characters have to kind of unite to figure out how to bring back two worlds that we knew existed in the fathom and soulfire stories so it's deep yeah it's very uh (laughs) complex but it's it's really uh, a book you can just jump into and you don't have to know about the character's past or origins um, it's basically, like I said, it's a brand new starting off point. Um, and they did a great job. I know, um, you know, it's not an easy pitch to hear and be like, well, I don't know how that would work. But once you read it, I think you'll really get a sense of what those two books are about and how they're going to come together in the future. And uh, we have some really cool uh, surprises in store. So just what I told you guys is like the tip of the iceberg of what cool. this story will hit. Very cool. All right. Well, Vince, let uh, let our audience know how can they uh, how can they get a hold of these? Uh, where can they go? Can they go on the website, the social media? Where, how, you know, how can they consume this? Uh, how can they consume Aspen Comics? Absolutely. Uh, you know, obviously, the first thing I'd always suggest is head over to your local comic book retailer. Um, you can easily find our books there. If not, they can order them. Uh, we are in most major bookstores, but those are just our graphic novels. So if you're looking to kind of jump into Aspen Revelations. You're going to want to stick to your comic book store and also go on to digital. 
you can find all of our books on Comixology, on Drive Through, on Mayfire. Uh, we have a few new uh, digital platforms that we're working with, uh, some of the library systems like Hoopla and Biblioboard. Um, so we're all across the board on the digital side. And, um, you know, if you can't find the book at the store or on digital, you can always go straight to our Aspen store, which is www.aspenstore.com. Um, that's basically your one-stop shop for all of our Aspen books. So that's always, you know, I would say our home base for any type of product you're looking for. Um, but, you know, again, I always say if, if you can, you know, you probably want to support your local retailer because they, they always need the help. And I think, yeah. uh, you know, especially in 2016, uh, you know, anybody who's out there keeping a comic book store open, I mean, they deserve uh, your support. So, um, you know, that would be the first place I say always go if you can. Um, but like I said, these books are easy to find. They're not, um, you know, we made them accessible on all our digital, on, mm-hmm. on our web store, in the stores. Um, you know, and if you can't find any there, you can seriously go onto my Facebook and message me directly, <laughs> and I'll, I'll find a way for you to get a copy. Uh, on that note, Vince, thank you so much for joining me. Vince, Vince Hernandez of Aspen Comics. Go check out all the cool stuff they got going on. Vince, thank you so much for, for hopping on tonight. Very welcome, Mike. Thank you for having me. Um, you know, and I hope to talk again uh, with you soon, buddy. Absolutely. I'll see you hopefully in New York Comic Con, right? Awesome. You know it. All right, man. Talk thank you. Buddy. All right, when we return, we're going to talk about that little Jared Leto, I was tricked into doing Suicide Squad, a news item, and we'll talk Deadpool 2 casting news. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. This is Rob Kay. And I'm Callie Alpert. And we're hosts of The Rob and Callie Show. Are you looking for a show that talks about real stuff like life, love, the pursuit of being yourself? Then you have come to the right place because we cover topics ranging from chivalry to gratitude to your relationship with money and everything in between. So listen to us on The Rob and Callie Show Tuesdays, 8 to 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.myc. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Welcome back, Secrets of the Sire. I want to thank Vince Hernandez again from Aspen Comics for joining us. Go check it out. All their books are awesome. It's a great company. Um, give my love to Frank and Peter. I didn't actually say that, but um, definitely uh, go check them out. Uh, we are talking uh, lots of things, but we wanted to mention it's actually Sam and I were chatting. Uh, again, you can be a part of the Google Hangout if you uh, pledge our Patreon.com page. Uh, you can kind of get on the inner workings of... Uh, the behind the scenes become an executive producer, um, and one of the things he mentioned was we should make my you know the actual music from the show as part of the uh, rewards. We're gonna have to work that in. I gotta I gotta talk to the rest of the bandmates and you know all that fun stuff here. Um, but you can definitely go on to patreon.com/secretsofthesire and if you pledge twenty five dollars a month, 
um, which is really like you know not a lot of money at all. You get your 15 second whatever read on air each month, so you can become a sponsor. Uh, go through that as well too. Um, program director, we got a lot of cool stuff, so definitely check it out. Patreon, p a t r e o n dot com slash Secrets of the Sire. All right, Jared Leto was uh, tricked into being the Joker. That's um, that's something that he has been uh, kind of talking. I want to give a shout out to Jay Thompson, by the way, though too. Um, he's on our Facebook feed. He was on here last week. He he uh, definitely messaged in and uh, and commented in. So we appreciate all that. You go to Facebook.com/slash Secrets of the Sire. Uh, we would love to hear from you there as well too. So just wanted to give a quick shout out while I remembered, because otherwise I would not remember that. Uh, okay, so actor Jared Leto reportedly feels he was tricked into Suicide Squad. I go to IGN.com. He basically says in the quote that, okay, yes, he was tricked into it, but what he really kind of means by it was that he kind of... All right, so he said he is said to have felt sort of tricked into being a part of something that had been pitched to him very differently. So once again, you kind of see the clutches of Warner Brothers. You see what they're trying to do. You see what they're trying to actually kind of... Uh, you know, kind of have their, their they're, they're trying to compete with Marvel, and we get it. And I'm David Ayer even said it. He went, he said it to Entertainment Weekly. You know, I thought I was going to get to make my movie, and we kind of pointed this out on the show uh, the, over the last two weeks that you know that's a, that's a very telling comment, though, right? I mean, that's a very you know, it, it's one of those says a lot with without saying a lot. He just, you know, one or two sentences. And Jared Leto too, I think he thought he was going to be well, first of all, he thought he was going to be on the on the sh- on the actual film a lot longer than he was, uh, which was one of the big complaints, you know, 2 hour plus movie, you got the Joker for 15 minutes, uh, kind of directionless, not really necessarily, you know, integral to the story where again, in the marketing uh, and look, those marketing guys, the 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 Deadpool marketing guys and the Warner Brothers marketing guys they are like tops because they really got butts in seats to that opening weekend. But as we kind of talked about, it's the, well, it's the, you know, did you make a good movie or not make a good movie as to whether or not people are going to keep coming back? And Deadpool, they did. Guardians of the Galaxy, they did. Uh, and it re- reflected in the critics' reviews. I mean, look, we can go on and say, oh, you know, F the critics. You know, what do they know? What do they know? And, and it's true, yeah. It's, it's not necessarily... Um, you know, uh, you know, it's not necessarily something where we always go to movies and say, yes, uh, you know, I'm going to listen to the critics. Sometimes the critics are wrong. I mean, we've definitely watched a lot of movies where I'm like, no, I don't know what this guy's talking about. This movie's great. Or uh, I don't know what this guy's talking about. This movie's terrible. High Fidelity comes to mind. You ever see that movie with John Cusack? I hated that movie. Uh, I know. Critically uh, lauded. The best scene was when he's like smashing Tim Robbins with an air conditioner. That's like it. That was it. Okay, that was a pretty cool scene, but I hated John Cusack in that entire movie. And I'm sitting there going like, why Why were the critics like so high on this? Or like, why, you know, I don't know. Sometimes you, sometimes you just think critics are, are just trying to be like, they're just trying to earn their film degree. So they kind of pick these like movies and stuff. Or sometimes they're right though. And, and look, at the end of the day, they kind of said it about Batman v Superman, and it was reflected in the audience. Okay, going forward, it dropped sixty nine percent between weekend one and weekend two. They said it with Suicide Squad; it dropped sixty seven percent from weekend one to weekend two. Deadpool critics praised it; it kept going. I don't think that the critics necessarily fuel the moviegoer. I don't think because I think again, it can definitely you know rally the moviegoer. It can sit there and make the moviegoer say, you know what? F the critics; I'm going to go see this. But you know what? All the people that did that did it in the opening weekend, and they can't go see the movie twice. 
So if those people had come out and said, you got to see this movie, people would have people seen it. More people would have seen it. So, look, at the end of the day, if Jared Leto was tricked or not tricked, you know, that, that's neither here nor there. All right, we also had some Deadpool 2 casting news this week, or potential. Look, these are all rumors. Um, all we know for sure is Cable's going to be in it, right? I mean, Ryan Reynolds basically even said it before the movie even came out, and then there was the post, um, you know, credit scene. So, yeah, Cable is essentially going to be in this movie. Now, Cable, for anybody who doesn't understand the backstory, he's going to have a very convoluted backstory. Um, it's going to have to be simplified, obviously, for this... Um, you know, for this movie, because he can't be... Look, in the comics, he was the son. I was actually talking to Sam about this. He's the son of an alternate universe, Jean Grey and Cyclops, who was then taken to the future and raised in the future and then brought back to the past, or which I guess would technically have been the present in the 1990s. It, look, it doesn't happen. I mean, this is that's not going to be in the movie. Um, they're going to have to just kind of explain who Cable is in a very neat, succinct way. doesn't mean he can't have that backstory. It just It's not going to be explained there. Okay, and then there's also going to be Domino, and uh, Domino and Cable were kind of uh, quasi-love interests in the comics, so there was that relationship there. There's the, you know, infamous X-Force number two scene where uh, Domino and Cable are kind of like sharing a bathtub plan and strategy, which was pretty racy for a 12-year-old back then when I was reading it, so it was pretty pretty exciting to see. So, all right, so Cable and Domino are supposedly going to be in it, um, and essentially, according to, to the Mashable film reporter Jeff Snyder... Um, he dropped the name of Friday Night Lights alum Kyle Chandler as the man who's going to take over uh, the role of Cable. Now, Kyle Chandler, Friday Night Lights. He's been in a whole bunch. Of, uh, he's been in a whole bunch of things. And I got to be honest, as soon as I I heard you know him, I'm like, yeah, that guy could that guy could totally pull off you know Cable. Uh, then there was an artist rendition. The artist rendition looks beautiful. But it was okay. And, and kind of reading across the lines, you know, a lot of people on the, uh, on the internet, there was someone on Cinema Blend also kind of wrote the same thing where it's like, the artist rendition, really well done. Doesn't get me excited to see Kyle Chandler in the role of Cable. Uh, they actually kind of teased Mel Gibson would have been the perfect Cable, and I, I, I have to agree because Cable's supposed to be an older guy, uh, a war, war-torn guy. Mel Gibson now, I mean, you know... I mean, if you could have uh, Lethal Weapon as Cable, uh, you know, 30 years later, that would be pretty cool. Uh, Mackenzie Davis as Domino. And Mackenzie Davis, uh, she's not a household name. They're actually saying that they're going to bring her in now because she's going to be in the new Blade Runner 2 movie that's coming out. She was just in The Martian. Uh, You know, so she's kind of like one of those... You know, she's about to break. She's on the verge. Um, so to kind of get her into this Deadpool 2 movie as Domino, artist rendition of her as Domino, I mean, looks spot on to me. So I'm pretty excited about that if that is indeed the case. All right. When we come back, I have a, a, a quick, we're going to do a quick little like, you know, replay in time and talk about the Star Trek movie um, because there was, a, there was a, a moment I had with my dad that kind of summed up everything we were talking about when we talk about Star Trek and we talk about the controversy with George Takai. Okay, when we come back. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and TV? Then you're in for a treat. 
This is Michael Dolce, your host on TalkingAlternative.com. I've been professionally writing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for almost 15 years. Catch my show, Secrets of the Sire, at its new primetime slot, Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to SecretsOfTheSire.com. Welcome back. Secrets of the Sire. We do this every week. Wednesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern, TalkingAlternative.com. Talking comics, movies, comic book movies, TV, music, pop culture. Every Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern, TalkingAlternative.com. Gets turned into a podcast. Goes up on our SoundCloud page, SoundCloud.com. Slash Secrets of the Sire, S-I-R-E. It also gets put up on iTunes, Google Play, um... You name it, any any podcasting app out there uh, that you know handles this kind of stuff, we are on it. We're everywhere. It's a live radio show, so you can feel free to call in at eight seven seven four eight zero four one two zero. Kind of some cool little behind the scenes talking. Um, you know, uh, kind of wondering, you know, whether or not Suicide Squad is a dead topic at this point now, and and it might be because you know we kind of really focused on it last week, and uh, and the response not as great as other podcasts. Could have been Mitch Hyman from Bubba the Redneck Werewolf too, but. You know, who knows? Who knows? I'll blame Suicide Squad. So we'll find out this week. We'll see what the response is to Suicide Squad this week. You know, at the end of the day, you know, we want to talk about what you want us to talk about. So one of those ways you could do that is get insider access. Uh, you'll have access to a Google chat. You'll have access to our show outline. You'll have access to the topic, you know, prior to anybody else. So that's your chance to kind of chime in. Go to patreon.com slash secrets of the sire. Uh, become a backer for a, as little as a dollar a month, and uh, and you can have the kind of interaction, and, and you can set the course for this show. We love putting it on, and we want to continue doing it. So go to patreon.com slash secrets of the sire. All right, we were just talking about Kyle Chandler's Cable. We were talking about Mackenzie Davis's Domino. Both characters very excited uh, to see them, hopefully, in Deadpool 2, and we hope that Mashable writer... Um, John Snyder, or no, sorry, Jeff Snyder, who dropped those names, is accurate. We'd love to see it. We'd love to see that. Um, you know, I'd love to see the Deadpool universe expand now that they kind of have the money, and I hope that they kind of make fun of the fact that they have the money now to expand. I mean, look, it's it's a stock and trade. Uh, I don't think it's going to do as well as the original. I think the original is one of those, you know, came out of nowhere kind of hits. But uh, but as long as they can kind of keep the fun going in the second. You know, movie. I think I think they'll be okay, uh, and we'll see. Look, we'll, at the end of the day, these are rumors um, they're, that they're eyeing Kyle Chandler. Doesn't mean he's going to do it. Uh, doesn't mean that they're really going to go with him. I mean, there's been plenty of instances where, you know, a film was you know promised to one guy and not to another. I mean, look, even um, I forget it was Indiana. Yeah, it was Indiana Jones was supposed to be Tom Selleck. He couldn't get out of his Magnum PI contract, so he wanted to do it. He could have been. Indiana Jones, which you can't picture anybody else doing it, right? 
Um, Pamela Anderson was supposedly up for Gillian Anderson's role in X-Files. It would have been Duchovny and Anderson. And you know Duchovny would have banged her, too, because he is a sex addict. He's a, he's a, he's a sex addict. So, so, you know, yay for us. Boo for Duchovny. I mean, you know, this is Pam Ann. But maybe yay for Duchovny because she ended up having hepatitis. So, um, you know, hey. Well, but she got that from Tommy Lee. I just don't know the time lapse as to when that actually happened. See, this is the kind of useless knowledge I get to bring every week to Secrets of the Sire. All right, real quick, before um, we wrap up, I do want to thank Vince Hernandez again from Aspen Comics. Awesome, awesome guest. And uh, go check out his Facebook posts. They really are really great. How to break into the industry, do's and don'ts. Um, and he also just you know, he gets personal on there in a good way also, too. So uh, good stuff all around there. Okay, so a few um, months ago, we were talking about Star Trek Beyond. We, we, we focused on the controversy. Um, we didn't really focus on the movie too much. And essentially because the movie was... Uh, <laughs> Tom Hutchinson <laughs> just joined. He said, amazing knowledge. I do have amazing knowledge. I, I, I have to pat myself on the back. You know, Vince Hernandez did not want to pat himself on the back for all the great stuff that he and uh, Frank and Peter uh, over at Aspen do. I will pat myself on the back any chance I get. I, if I could literally, if you're looking on the stream, if I could get a third hand in there, I would, I would do that. I really would. Um, no, so we were talking about the Star Trek Beyond, and uh, the only newsworthy thing was that they did a little nod to George Takai, and they made that character, you know, Sulu, actually be gay with a partner and a little daughter, and George Takai actually said, you know, I really wish they didn't do that, um, because it actually... It detracts from what Gene Roddenberry originally thought. Again, you can go back into our archives on SoundCloud.com. You can get exclusive archives on our Patreon page. And we, t- we talked about it ad nauseum. But, so my dad and I actually went to see the movie together. And this is just happened last week. And I thought this was a really telling moment, though, where we're, we're leaving the theater. And the actual scene itself is literally like, it's five seconds. It, it's a five-second glance over. And quite frankly... Look, you know what they're insinuating, but it's not over the top. It's very tastefully done. It's not, oh, and here is my husband with my daughter. It's, you know, very, just very tastefully done, very well done. And he leaves the theater and he says, you know, did you see that little nod to George Takai, you know, being, you know, that he's, you know, that he's homosexual and they kind of did it in the movie and he kind of laughed and he just said, ha ha ha, you know, and it wasn't, you know, and I'm sitting there saying... Well, first of all, I said, I said, yeah, I knew about it. I talked about it all in my show last week. You're not, you know, or two weeks ago. So, first of all, my dad doesn't actually listen to the show, which is which is understandable. It's it's very late. I think he used to listen to it when it was at eleven o'clock in the morning. Um, but my, you know, my dad is 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 a is a conservative minded person, and he had no problem with it. He had absolutely no, you know. No problem whatsoever with it. Why? Because, okay, yes, he doesn't listen to the show, but he also didn't know it was in there, right? He didn't know it was coming. He just kind of saw it, figured it out in two seconds what it was, and kind of laughed because he said, oh, okay, I get it. That's, that's, that's cute. That's neat. That's something, you know. No, there was no raging politicalness to it. There was no raging point of view. It wasn't trying to, you know, it essentially was doing everything that it was intended to do. And I got to witness it into somebody who did not know it was coming. Had they just not talked about it prior to the movie coming out, it would have been one of those Easter eggs that just people would have kind of spread it word of mouth. It would have been kind of like one of those ha ha ha. But instead, you know, you had John Cho going on these press tours Oh, I wish I didn't have to talk about this. Oh, it's such an issue, you know. I, I can't wait for the day when I don't have to talk about this. But, okay, go ahead, ask me the question. I'll talk about it for the next... And then it becomes this big thing, and then George Takai goes, Oh, I wish they didn't do that. I, to be honest with you, 
Now I feel bad George Takai said he wishes they didn't do it because it was done so well that, it, you know, it would have been better to have just not made a big deal out of it in the first place. That's when we're going to start not having to ask these questions. That's when things are not going to be a big deal, when you stop making them a big deal. I get it, though. The funny thing is, you know, that movie, and Sam and I kind of talk offline about it, and, and again, if you're part of the uh, Patreon page and you got the Google Hangout, you could have heard that conversation, but, you know, the movie itself was actually simultaneously great and simultaneously just okay at the exact same time like it was a solid movie the writing was solid we'll get into it at another time or if you want to talk to me uh exclusive um it would be great uh you'd be great to talk to talk one-on-one i'll talk to you all about it uh via the patreon page but writing was great acting was great movie was okay all right on that note i want to wrap it up by saying thank you again to vince from uh aspen comics next week we go full anime gonna be yes this is sam's world sam was a media blasters guys way back in the day um so we're gonna we're gonna welcome one of the writers from sailor moon we're gonna uh welcome deborah crane she's gonna join us next week i know nothing about anime like it, it's it's my hockey it's my, yes exactly it's my hockey so if you're talking about like baseball football basketball i could talk about that all day long this is my hockey so i'm gonna have to get really prepped between now and next week thank you all secrets of the sire you're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Hello, I'm JC. I'm Joan. And, and welcome, welcome to, to 21st, 21st Century Entrepreneur. Entrepreneur. We bring education, insight, knowledge, awareness, trouble, craziness, and fun. For you, the entrepreneur who's looking to build your business. And your community. Listen every Friday from noon to 1 Eastern on talkradio.nyc. And you can tweet us at 21st CE Radio or Talk Alternative. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and TV? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your host on talkingalternative.com. I've been professionally writing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for almost 15 years. Catch my show, Secrets of the Sire, at its new primetime slot, Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to secretsofthesire.com. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Hi, this is Rob Kay. And I'm Callie Alpert. And we're hosts of The Rob and Callie Show. Are you looking for a show that talks about real stuff like life, love, the pursuit of being yourself? Then you have come to the right place because we cover topics ranging from chivalry to gratitude to your relationship with money and everything in between. So listen to us on The Rob and Callie Show, Tuesdays, 8 to 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.myc.
Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network.